Oh, you are? I, I locked that door. How did you get in here? I can move through doors. You cannot move through locked doors. I take this stuff really seriously, man. I'm gonna have to start all over. Okay, well, sorry. Didn't know it was such a big deal. How many different snacks did you bring in here? Well, you know, I brought a few in here. You better not be making crumbs on my carpet. This, this is my room. Don't bring your snacks in here and spilling your crumbs all over all my stuff. Okay. I'm sorry I messed up your little ritual. Duly noted. I'll be out of your hair in just a few minutes. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Those are my roasted pistachios from Natural Grocers. Those are my salted roasted pistachios from Natural Grocers. That's my favorite snack and you know it and that's on my shelf of the pantry which you're not supposed to be eating my stuff on the shelf of the pantry. Okay, I've put up with a lot of your crap in the past but now you've asked for it. Now you've gone and offended a magician, pal. I summon every dark power of the underworld to banish this unworthy soul. About a cadavera! <laughs> Serves you right, eating snacks from my shelf of the pantry. <laughs> Roommates, you can't live with them? You can't afford rental housing costs in America without them. Welcome to another episode of Zeit Heist, the video podcast program where the host chooses to sit on the floor next to outdated technology to record an intro. Kind of a weird aesthetic choice. And also, don't look at this right here. I don't know what that is. That's from, and, and I'll probably uh, blur, blur that out anyway in the final cut. Today, we're talking to Mickey Pellerano, professional astrologer, artist, filmmaker, international playboy, Overall handsome and sexy man. I mean, I'm straight, but like, yeah, I would, okay? And always good to talk about, uh, you know, coming on to your guests. That's great. We have a wonderful conversation. Mickey is so talented, deeply and widely read and studied. He runs his own show called Time Lord TV, which you can find on YouTube, and I've provided a link in the show notes. It's marvelous. It has musical guests. It has interviews. It has an astrological overview of the coming month, and it's so well done and creative, and uh, I didn't copy his idea by doing this show and, and none of that, so don't so don't bring it up, and it's totally different, and, and there's no correlation there, and don't sue me, so kind of great. If you're watching this on YouTube, marvelous. You are getting the fullest expression of the show. If you're only listening on a podcast provider and it's audio only, you are missing out, my friend, on the full experience of what Zeitheist is so i would encourage you to go to youtube and see the full show i have a patreon if you would like to support what i do you can do so by heading to the link that i've provided in the show notes it's patreon.com slash the josh gains without further ado here we go episode three let's talk to mickey well welcome mickey i'm so excited to have you i'm so pleased that you were willing to do this um how do you when somebody asks you what you do, how do you introduce yourself? What do you say? Because you do a lot of things. Um, at this point, I really just say I'm an astrologer because I, I assume that they mean that uh, 
you know, what I do for a living. So I, I, I tend to say uh, astrology, even though I, I make a lot of art and my astrology practice, you might say, did grow out of my um, identity as an artist, maybe. But I consider myself a by trade a professional astrologer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to ask at the beginning, sort of, uh, what is something that has caught your interest in the immediate recently, just whether a book you read or something you've been interested in or something that has taken your own practice deeper, what has been fascinating you in this time of life right now? Um, well, I'm all, I tend to take courses quite often, uh, on astrology. So, um, recently I took a class by, uh, uh, Bernadette Brady, who's kind of an authority on the six stars and their influence in astrology, which is actually very complex and fascinating. Uh, and she's developed, or she uses a very, uh, uh, sophisticated and complex system for, for, um, doing that. And then I also study kind of in a prolonged manner under a teacher, Austin Kopic. And right now we're discussing uh, different timing techniques of the Hellenistic astrologers, such as uh, uh, Firmicus Maternus and uh, Bettius Valens. So, you know, always experimenting with uh, new and old timing techniques and uh, uh, different elements of astrology and incorporating them into my practice. Yeah. It's, it's such a massive world of knowledge to dive into. And I, I imagine in some sense, the work is never done when it comes to astrology. Does, does all of that learning sort of just deepen your own understanding and the sort of nuance with which you can speak to reading people's charts and understanding what, what is going on? Or how, how does it influence your, your astrology work and the way you give readings? Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Like, um, just examining different ways that astrology can be used really just informs a whole uh, sub-layer, you might say, of understanding of it, really. And how, because it's a very elegant system. And, you know, just as the cosmic movements are so... Uh, have such patterns within them that are so refined and so perfect and so geometric um you know kind of unfolding the layers of that geometry and of that symmetry and of that cohesive system always i think just deepens one's general understanding of it um even if a particular technique ends up not being part of someone's toolbox as an astrologer uh it it will certainly inform a uh a, a deeper resonance on how this mysterious cosmic complex really functions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm curious, what was the moment or the period of your life where not, instead of asking like, when did you get into astrology? When was the moment that it like bloomed wide open for you and something that, that made you feel, I want to dedicate more of my life to to this and, and to helping others understand it? When, when was that? Um, well, the big blow up moment, I would say was, was relatively recent because, you know, it, astrology was always around in, in my life. It was always in the background, you know, I mean, I come from a Cuban family, you know, and we had Walter Mercado and everybody was very interested in astrology and you know, people would affectionately refer to each other if they had the same sun sign and stuff like that. And, 
it was always very prominent. And it, in a way, I always thought that way. I always categorized all my friends at school, say, from the time I was in, you know, third grade by their sun signs and stuff like that. And, um, and I, and there were patterns that I would recognize since I was a kid. And then I got very into hermetic magic and chaos magic when I was about, I would say this was a, probably uh, 2002 is when it re- when I got really hardcore about it. And when you study the Golden Dawn uh, systems and, you know, Aleister Crowley and um, uh, these classical systems, these hermetic ways of, of um, understanding the planets and the astrological science and the way that they weave into the structure of Kabbalah really becomes an integrated part of the way that you think and an integrated part of the way that you categorize everything. So I primarily used astrology for magic at that point in my life and didn't and didn't really use it so much for you know natal astrology as I do now um, because astrology seemed uh, I guess unsophisticated to me or something compared mm-hmm. to the hermetic knowledge like it seems oh you know there's some lady in like a sweater and goofy glasses like stroking her cat talking about you know kind of psychology right like talking about like some kind of like watered down Jungian situation and I was like that's that's not my world you know hermetic stuff is so um what happened was about probably 20 years ago or so now uh what these astrologers such as uh alan white demetra george um uh robert hand robert schmidt they started this thing called project hindsight which was a a focused translation of many hellenistic and hermetic astrological texts from you know alexandria and also some uh renaissance stuff and they uh really revealed the hermetic content a lot of the hermetic content of astrology and how it could be incorporated into natal astrology how it was and you know and in in a sense these techniques had been lost for you know in some cases like 2000 years almost yeah. 1600 years so um we're starting to see and of course with the translation of the picatrix which there have been a few now, but uh, this is a grimoire of astrological magic. So we're starting to see more of a crossover between hermetic uh, magic or hermetic philosophy and natal astrology that really began then. And when I start, when I started picking up on that and that that was going on, I really, uh, you know, I really was like, all right, now I'm full on. But I would say maybe about seven years ago, you know, because people always came to me for tarot readings for mm-hmm. for years. It's probably been, gosh, I don't know, maybe like 17 years now that people would call me and say, hey, can, can I come over? I'd like you to read my cards, you know? Mm-hmm. It was something I always did as a side gig or a side thing. People always knew they could come. And um it got to the point where people would say, okay, I'm here for a tarot reading. And I would say, okay, but we're going to do a little bit of astrology first, because in this way, I'll be able to, I'll be more educated uh, with the symbolism of the tarot and how it presents itself once I'm aware of your astrological configurations. 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's beautiful how those coincide and inform each other and how much the Thoth, Thoth deck is uh, interwoven with all that astrological stuff. How does astrology inform your, your magic practice or, or just the, and you don't have to get personal about that, but just uh, as far as being aware of, of timing or when a certain ritual may be stronger or a certain intent behind the ritual may be more um, helped along by the positions of the planets of that time. How does that integrate? Well, if, if one is doing astrological magic, it's, it's obviously essential. You know, and and it, and you know, and this is part of the canon of of hermetic magic anyway. I mean, they 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 had Agrippa, you know, uh, the three books of occult philosophy, Henry Cornelius Agrippa. They they understood the planetary seals. They understood the planetary hours. They understood, um, you know, that uh, Venus rising in in her sign of Libra, etc., uh, to be to be used like the positions and timing of the planets to be used. Uh, they understood the importance of that. And there are many complexities. I, it, it's, you can't simply choose any day that, that Venus is rising in her sign, you know, because that happens three months out of the year, kind of. Uh, a lot of other conditions need to be just so. There can't be interference from malefics. The moon has to be cooperative, uh, things like this. And, you know, this can be incorporated into any ritual, I would say. It can be incorporated into say you're just a chaos magician and you're throwing uh, sigils out there, which there's nothing wrong with that. I've had a lot of success and a lot of uh, uh, development as a magician through these techniques, through not using astrology at all. Um, but nowadays, because astrology has become so ingrained in um, near just the way that I think about everything, <laughs> uh, I, I probably wouldn't do um an untimed ritual of any kind i think mm. at this point yeah yeah i'm curious when it comes to like there's a lot of there's a lot of pop astrology out there and there has been for for many years and um it's like i would never want to uh insult or be unkind to anyone who takes an interest in astrology but when it comes to you know maybe something more gimmicky like allure.com posting someone's horoscope for the day and it's it's fairly surfacey and just all about romance or wealth or or um these sort of kind of petty things on the surface like what what is something in the larger scope of, of astrology that you wish the general public might pay more attention to or what is something that gets overlooked because people get lost in sort of the surfaciness that never takes them any deeper uh, I think what gets overlooked is that astrology is just hiding in plain sight almost everywhere. You know, mm. I mean, it's like if you're if you take a walk around any major city, you know, New York City, Washington, D.C., anywhere in Italy that has a town square, you know, uh, all over London, you're going to see astrological uh, imagery everywhere. You're going to see zodiacs, right? You're going to see planetary uh, images used in, say, architecture and um, uh, uh, even mapping of metropolitan areas and stuff like that. For example, take uh, Grand Central Station in New York City. 
not only is there a, a mural of a zodiac painted on the interior ceiling of Grand Central, but there's also a statue sculpture of, of Mercury, you know, standing naked with a wand in, in, in front of this, this thing. And, and it's like, you know, who else would you want? Right. What, what mm. other planetary deity would you want kind of like presiding over a train station like that? You know, a, a, a deity who represents commerce, who represents speed and efficiency and data and um, uh, the absorption and conveying of of ideas and and, you know, even products. So uh, uh, you see it all over the place, you know, and and I think that the fact that astrology has, I don't know, it, it has this, it's almost bizarre that it has this compartmentalized uh, identity kind of around it. Like, oh, that's something outre or that's something, that's something so out there. I'm like, well, not really, because you're amidst it constantly. And, and you're just to the point where I'm like, people don't seem to see it or something because it's like, I mean, you know, you go to Rockefeller Center, you got Prometheus with a ring of of the zodiac around him with all the signs, you know, represented. And then you turn the corner and across the street from um, uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, you got a, stat a sculpture of Atlas and Art Deco, again, the zodiac. So it's not mm -hmm. only neoclassical architecture, it's also Art Deco. It's, you know, it's, it's all over the place. And uh, our relationship to the stars and our relationship uh, to the planets, I think is is so encoded in the symbolic mind of of humanity mm. in every culture that it's 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 really very installed, you know. And of course, you go to Italy and forget about it. I mean, you're not every single ceiling fresco is going to be about the triumph of some planetary deity, right? And and it was built that way because whatever deity that is was the ruler of the ascendant of the of the you know the noble who lived in that palazzo and, right. and they also used timing astrological timing to construct those those buildings as well yeah yeah those those hermetic symbols are everywhere and uh it's that's kind of a gift or it's been it's been so fun and fascinating as someone who only came into all this stuff in my 30s to realize like these symbols are everywhere we are immersed in them and uh yeah it's like before this point in my life i was just blind to all that stuff i was like yeah that, that's a statue oh okay that's a symbol for venus or whatever like whatever that that's the same as anything the target logo or something but then to come to realize like not only are those meaningful symbols but even the timing in which you come across them is sometimes kind of a uh I don't know, maybe a synchronistic moment or maybe just a reaffirming of what you are learning at that point in time, um, which is fun. Definitely. Uh, yeah. When it comes to those like structuring buildings and, and the, the timing in, in those great places um, like, like Italy, it makes me think of, so your altars that you often post pictures of, which are so beautiful and ornate and like finely crafted, you know, there, there's, I get a sense in what you in particular make of like, there's a, there's a devotion and an adoration. This is not just something surfacey to like manifest some money, you know, maybe that is a part of it sometimes, but um, there's like a, 
yeah, a, a sense of adoration for these energetic entities that you are putting a lot of intention and art and your own creativity into. Um, so curious if, if you'd speak any to that. Yeah, I mean, I guess that was an idea that I first was introduced through uh, Alistair Crowley, you know, and just this idea of like, even when you're not doing a ritual, you want to flood your mind with the symbolism and correspondences of a particular, say, planet, if you're working with it, right? So if it's Venus, it's going to be green, you know, the color green and, the, and, and copper and, uh, you know, beautiful men and women and, and beautiful smells and flowers and you know, find jewels and or certain stones, even et cetera, et cetera. And you really want to immerse the mind in this kind of imagery and immerse the senses in general. You know, the uh, the visual senses, but of course the olfactory senses with incenses and things like that. And you know, so uh, uh, you know, from one perspective, it's like, oh, these you're you're presenting offerings to a spirit that matches a particular tenor or vibration or something, right? If you're, if, you know, if I'm gonna say be invoking Mars, it would be all like, you know, muscle and steel and red and blood and iron and stuff. So, but if you're doing Venus, it's gonna be floral and fragrant and stuff like this. And if it's, it's Jupiter, it'll be, you know, blue and the number four and there's all, all kinds of imagery that, that piles up to, um, depending on how you look at it, either immerse the psyche into mm. the, the zone of, of a particular energy or to uh, in invoke uh, living uh, entities or, or um, uh, energies of a given, say, deity or, or planet or what have you. And um, yeah, because I'm, I am an artist and I come from an art background and uh, you know, uh, I, I suppose the way I was able to build a, a reputation as an occultist was because I made so much occult art throughout my mm -hmm. life. And, you know, and, and it was always presented as such and quite visible that way. Um, so aesthetics are important to me. And uh, I think they might be important to the spirits too. <laughs> you know, like yeah. how, how much beauty and effort that you put into what you're doing. I mean, that's a form of energy. That's a form of reverence, you know? So I, I do think that that's, a, you know, that's a, an, an asset to, to somebody's magical skill. If they have, if they have an art, artistic sensibility, say, it's, um, it's a talent that maybe should be poured into to a magical practice. Yeah, absolutely. That is one of the most just, well, pure pleasure of of these esoteric things is being able to integrate creativity into it and and realizing that like the universe itself and my highest divine self is the creator so to speak and uh to yeah that to integrate that as much as possible is is not only fun but like has a tangible effect on on the outcome and on one's growth um yeah i i feel that I'd, I'd be curious as to your thoughts on this, like that I, I believe magic as a whole is ultimately getting us to kind of confront ourselves um, or that is one of the things that it ultimately does. And that astrology too, astrology, tarot, like I feel that part of the reason, 
these things work and they're real and these patterns are identifiable and that when we are confronted with that that should take us deeper you know it should lead us to asking why like why does this work what is going on here what is the larger mechanism that is behind these things and i think that magic and tarot and astrology and meditation all swirl together um to to ultimately get us to like awaken to our own divinity um at least that is my perspective at this point in time and that is a practice that i am still on the journey of but um yeah any thoughts on that or any disagreement or, or change of difference of opinion no i mean i i totally agree with that i mean they're all they're all systems to basically uh you know enhance our awareness of of uh divinity which i guess is a kind of a vague word but um i think a good way of putting it into uh, words would be to say that, that the exterior universe has an intelligence that, that you know, mirrors uh, the individual human intelligence. And, and uh, the exterior universe has an order and, and a beauty and, you know, uh, uh, cycles and nature also has these cycles. And uh the way the world works and the way the universe works to be in uh uh to align oneself with that you know and to be um you know to have the the rhythm of one's heartbeat kind of move at that same pace and go with the uh uh be at one with the exterior uh macrocosm you might say yeah. is is probably you know maybe the highest aim of 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 magic you know and and there's a playfulness about it too like kind of as you said like oh you'll you'll be focused on something and then all of a sudden you'll recognize uh, an emblem somewhere or a sculpture somewhere right as you had a relevant thought and you know synchronicities like that are probably uh uh proof of you being somehow in that moment of of sympathy with the macrocosm right if, if things like that are happening to you yeah. uh there, there are probably clues that like all right you're you're at one right when when this is happening and um uh they there's also like a sense of play i think that that you know there's a a chaos magic. I don't know who said this. I don't know if it's Phil Hine or, um, you know, maybe Peter Carroll or something. Sounds more Phil Hine to me, but one of those chaos magic guys early on in my magical studies was like, the universe wants to play. Like it, it wants you to engage with it. it. It wants you to interact with it. It doesn't want to act upon you, right? It's not like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. you know, Jupiter's shooting a big laser beam at you right now and that means that you gotta you know you gotta like laugh and drink and spend money it's it's like no it's like it's like that the universe wants you to to tap in like nature wants you to like ask her to unveil her secrets to you you know and mm. and and it likes it and it wants to have a conversation and it wants to have an interplay 
I think, and, or I've experienced. And um, uh, so th there's, you know, there's many levels, you know, and, and of course the whole like uh, topics of self-empowerment really too, as you mm. said, like, like realizing that we all have creative uh, faculties and that we all have um, uh, uh, gifts and, and uh, abilities that should be optimized you know and I think that culture obviously is set up in a way that that sometimes hinders our our sense of power and our sense of uh you know what we must do or what we ought to do or how how much we can do um so it's there's kind of many fronts I think that it all works upon you know yes absolutely I was thinking to when well when you when you read my natal chart a couple months back and and had some very helpful insights for for me to practically navigate what is going on in this sort of current period with uh, Saturn slapping my ass uh, for the next year or so <laughs> and but uh, in a in a larger sense or or when you perhaps look at your own chart or look at other people's charts and you can recognize um, some periods of trouble or struggle or some moments that are just going to be a little harder on them. Um, what is like, how do you engage with that? And how do you encourage people to like, I don't know what I'm trying to ask, like, how do people ride through those difficult moments when the planetary energies are just going to be weighing them down some? Uh, but how do, how do they move through that well without getting bogged down and discouraged and like losing focus? Um, gosh, I suppose it depends on the, there, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, like, like, first of all, one benefit of astrology is because it's so time-based that you can be like, okay, well, this is going to, you know, this is going to ease up at around this time. Right. So, you know, you let them know that it's like not forever, but also even more valuable than that, um, to, I think, lean into what's happening. Cause there's always some benefit. I mean, we like, mm. You know, some people don't like this idea, but I do believe that like within our lifetime, we are sort of evolving and we all we are maturing and developing in certain ways. And that even the difficult uh, transits or periods in our life are 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 part of that, you know, mm. and so there's there's definitely ways to, um, uh, you know, from a practical perspective work with that in a more aware and engaged way but then there's also ways say magically or uh uh yeah implementing magic implementing stones implementing herbs into uh, implementing uh, devotional practices implementing um remediation of the chart right such as like uh donation practices or mm -hmm. um you know, just, just awareness of how certain negative signatures in the chart that will be, you know, triggered by certain uh, uh, transits through time, how to mitigate the ill effects of those, and then how to optimize the, the, the advantages, you know, because if you're going through one bad transit, you're probably within that, you're also going to be going through several positive ones as well. So there's ways to kind of like um, enhance, right, one's advantages and, and 
uh, mitigate one's disadvantages uh, using astrology, either simply by practical uh, procedures or more esoteric or spiritual procedures as well. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that perspective and and the it's a helpful thought to remember that yeah these difficult transits are also part of the growth of that person and and sort of the larger story of their life and what they need to work through to grow and change and become whole um i'm curious this is a bit on a different note but i have heard implication that uh, 2022 may be a difficult year in some ways. Are, are you open to speaking to that at all? Or do you know what that refers to? I listen to the astrology podcast sometimes that, to their little, their monthly overviews and they've hinted at it, but they've not said anything about 2022. Well, I, I mean, there's going to be some really dope transits in 2022 for sure. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, like I, I mean look there's bad astrology every year you know, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's there's bad weather all the time mm. you know and uh and it's like it, it kind of de- depends what you're talking about i mean quite frankly i mean having jupiter in pisces for six months sounds pretty damn good and then venus in her sign of exaltation in pisces sounds fantastic meanwhile you've got saturn in his rulership in Aquarius, you're going to have the sun and its sign of exaltation in, uh, and you know, we're just talking about the first like six months of 2022 here, you'll have the sun exalted in Aries, and you'll have uh, uh, Mars exalted in Capricorn, you know, it's like all that, I want to make talismans for all that stuff. I mean, I'm more looking at all the the good, you know, and um, I think it's going to be pretty rad i mean not to say that there's not going to be some difficult things i mean saturn mm-hmm. squaring saturn already started squaring uranus all this time and you know there's going to be but i don't really see how it's going to be a particularly bad year you know especially mm-hmm. those those first eight months look pretty damn good to me you know and also it depends on your chart too it's like oh okay sure. if you know if you've got like you know mars and saturn and hard aspect to your moon or something and you know i mean that double trouble is going to last like two months you know venus does go through a retrograde uh in capricorn but i don't know i mean almost the whole time mars is in capricorn venus is like right along with it like kind of bonifying mars in a way in a sign that he's already exalted in mm-hmm. so i don't know what what specifically people are addressing that's bad but there's a bunch of stuff that i'm pretty stoked about nice yeah, that's that's helpful to hear. I can uh, I can tend to sway into much of a cynical or negative or fear based mindset uh, just because of my upbringing and and sort of defaulting to that. So that is extremely helpful to just yeah look at the positive movements as as well. And even as it pertains to my own chart, I think there is some cool stuff happening. You've you know you've, you've moved through or you embody a number of different uh, interests and disciplines like astrology and you've made film and video and you are an artist and you are a performer, you're a practicing magician. Was there a time in life in which you, did it take you a while to land upon sort of your path or like what is the most Mickey 
thing that you could do? You know, were, were there some dead ends? Were there some just, I don't know, some wandering and, and some feeling like you weren't quite doing the right thing? And, and I'm not speaking just a career, but uh, I'm curious if it took you a while to find yourself, so to speak. Um, or did you already always know in a certain sense? Yeah, I mean, I can't ever really say like um, that I was really off the mark, mm. you know, at, at any given time. Like the, for example, the magic thing, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, especially people who I'd say, you know, grew up in like Christian atmospheres and stuff are like, oh, like, did your family disapprove of, mm. of your interest in the occult? And it was almost like, well, first of all, they don't. And second of all, like, I don't, it, there was never a discussion. There was never an opportunity. They couldn't have gotten in edgewise, even mm. if they did disapprove, because it was just something I was like, it was a path I was on, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I did have like an artistic path and, you know, I mean, there, there are, of course, like I look back and I do wish I did certain things with more confidence, you know, and I mm. wish I did things maybe with more feeling of self-worth and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, I'm happy about all the different disciplines in which I've in some cases even dabbled. Right. And not and never developed real mastery or proficiency in certain say art forms and stuff like that. I mean, I had fun, you know, and, and everything was part of, even if there were blunders, like they're, they're part of the, of, of figuring that out, you know? And, Mm. um, I think that life has a way of making a lot of sense in retrospect, you know, where you look back and you're like, oh shit, well, if I had never done that and this would have never happened, you know, but, um, a lot of things, I mean, also being receptive uh, mm. to what happens, like, for example, I don't know, I never wanted to play in a band. And one day I was playing in a band and touring all the time. And it was like something I never had interest in doing. And even being a professional astrologer is something that sort of happened to me. You know, it's like it just mm. I was doing my thing, which was reading people's cards all the time and studying magic all the time and practicing magic all the time. And learning about astrology all the time and just people kept coming you know so it's almost like if you if you dive into what you really love to do and you hang out with the people you really love to be with and and you uh you know nurture your interests and and nurture your passions in such a way i think that you know that's when things like come come together you know yeah i mean even wild nights spent out drinking mm-hmm. that might seem like a waste of time you're like well wait i formed these like strong bonds with these people say in this city and now you know what has that done it has propelled all sorts of other things in one's life you know it's, it's impossible to tell what's going to be a you know a, a deviation quote unquote from the path might be a tremendous asset mm. you know you, one never really knows yeah yeah i love that what do you think what would you say your ultimate desire is with uh with with giving astrology readings and and helping people along what is what is like your your life's work or your your 
what what gets you excited and, and passionate like or are uh, there things that you want to do that have not come about yet understanding more you know i mean it's so it's understanding these mysteries more coherently and more um more vividly and and living a life that is more uh enlightened in these ways you know i think that that's that's the core um uh goal you know and of course like i love working with people like i mean so like that's the most rewarding part is being able to share that you know so like being able to share it with other people and help them through things and you know in a lot of ways it's a lot easier to do somebody else's astrology than to do your own because you you know you're looking at it from from a rather uh, you know forest for the trees kind of kind of perspective a lot of times so uh i yeah i mean i'm kind of happy where i'm at in a way like i i love what i'm doing but of course the scope and scale i would always want to increase you know yeah. and and how good i am at everything and how how deep my understanding really is and and how um you know how much more richly enmeshed i am with this kind of uh symbolism and this kind of wonder of of uh nature and the cosmos and human interaction you know and human um compassion yeah that's beautiful i love that was there has there been anything along the way that has well you come from a, such a different framework and background than I do that I really admire. And it sounds like you don't have a lot of the sort of, or, or any of, of the religious, like superstitious fear around these occult things. But I am curious if there's been anything that has frightened you or surprised you or just that like confronted you in the sense that you had to reevaluate what you believed or how you were going about it or, or, I don't know, in that sense that like magic confronts you with yourself and doing shadow work or ancestral karma or, or things that come up. Has there been anything like that that you're open to speaking to? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, I kind of think that everybody has what might be called like a psychic sensor. You know, I, I think all of us have something in our egoic mind that keeps us you know, it's the same part of you that doesn't want to meditate. You've got too much to do or something, right? It's like, mm. there's a part of us that wants to keep us away from that mysterious and, and uh, uh, primal kind of regions of the psyche that, that, that magic taps into and mysticism taps into and stuff like that. And I think all of us have like a natural kind of protective coding around mm. our ego that, that keeps us away from magic, whether that's instilled by a, uh, you know, by a household or by a culture or by nothing at all. I think it's, it's part of the way we may, might be wired. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, I mean, I definitely had that. I mean, like, for example, I knew how to do chaos magic. I knew how to do sigils. I knew how they worked. And there was for a long time before I actually did them. And mm. part, of, part of me didn't do them 
because I got started, you know, practicing magic using sigils. And uh, part of me was afraid that, oh, well, you know, this like monkey's paw kind of scenario where, where if mm. I like, if, if I wish for something, some tra- it's going to come to me from some tragic way, you know, it's like my limbs are going to get amputated or something. And, and it's like, then it's going to come. I think that that's, uh, that's a big part of the way we're wired too, that we're always afraid that there's going to be some terrible, sinister repercussion to, to practicing magic. Hmm. And then another part of me is simply, you know, I think anybody that has like you know strong intellect is is going to be like yeah but this can't work like this mm. can't be real like you know the the logical part of my mind is going to struggle against against the uh the efficacy or the belief that that magic can actually work and i think it takes experience and it takes uh um maybe even training to, to really get through that and to really be like, okay, no, like I'm engaging with this and this is part of it. And I like, you know, I'm like, even now, I mean, even now I have moments of like, like that, this is rigmarole or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I have oh, yeah. moments of being like, this can't be real, even astrology. I mean, I called a friend of mine who's very gifted astrologer one day and was like, do you ever have moments that you sit back and you're like, I have to be insane. Astrology cannot be real. And this person's like all the time because it's, it is these illogical realms and these chaotic in a sense, even though they are well-ordered and elegant, there is a, the, the human intellect and the human ego is always going to perceive them as chaotic and mysterious and nonsensical. And, and so, you know, uh i think that's kind of a i I can't speak for everyone but it definitely is a struggle or or uh you know an interior impediment you might say to actually uh engaging with this stuff or even living a a certain way and i also think and yeah i mean i've seen some scary shit but but like i like i think a vision i don't know i mean I don't want to be pretentious and say it was this like angelic vision or something, but like an, an entity did come to me when I was younger. And I, I remember thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to start really getting serious about magic, like at, at this age, you know, but I'm going to wait till then because I'm having too much fun partying, too much fun, like, you know, living in the world and doing all this stuff. And then I had this like this being and it was pretty terrifying. And, you know, it didn't look like a anthropomorphic being or anything but Mm -hmm. it was like a it looked more like a a nebulous space thing and and it's like i just got this like telepathic message like no you're starting now like Mm. it's it's time to start now and i've always felt really called i guess even before that i i felt like called which i guess maybe that's why your prior question of feeling lost i never really had that but um uh yeah and i've seen stuff that has scared me and i've you know and also sometimes i feel like i've been tricked like once mm. i was a kid i was a kid or not or young and i was like by a lake in vermont this like lovely you know lake house and i'm there by myself and 
and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna like summon, you know, an elemental spirit. And then I still don't know what it was, but some fucking, I don't know if it was a bear. I think a bear fell out of a tree limb and splashed into the lake like a couple feet away from me. And it was this massive thing. And I was like, oh, like I scared to death. I just like bolted back up to the house. And, you know, in a way, sometimes I feel like, like spirits can be playful and spirits can like, Oh, yeah. play tricks play tricks on you and 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 you know it's it's kind of this funny world you know but and and yeah when you see something unexplained or uncanny there are moments of fear for sure um uh sometimes just how well astrology works is scary for me you know and and how i being an astrologer and studying astrology is an anxiety inducing <laughs> thing sometimes you know but but i think that's part of it there's like a veil of fear in front of every mystery and a veil of fear in front of every you know maybe even uh, ability that we can kind of uh, obtain yes ah i'm so comforted to hear that (laughs) because those those thoughts and fears mirror my own so much that yes uh both doubting the legitimacy of what I've done in ritual or fearing that I haven't done it right or like my focus wasn't intent enough or something and and also um yeah just feeling like I'm an intelligent modern person and is this utter bullshit and am I deceiving myself and uh and yeah like the sort of more spooky moments that I've had have always revealed something later um, and they don't seem so, they don't see, seem so twinged with like horror movie, uh, supernatural elements and and it's a lot more understandable after some time has passed. And, and I was usually taught something. I, I had an occasion early on in my practice, um, where I was, I, I used to practice in my garage because that was the only sort of empty space in the house that I could go to privately. And I was doing middle pillar after banishing and, and a couple other things. And um, I just heard this like scritching sound in the room and this movement. And I was like, uh, something's in the room. Oh shit, what is that? And it was uh, a little field mouse had like gotten into the hood of my car <laughs> and was scratching around. But since I was so focused in the ritual, the sound came to me as like something supernatural and it freaked me out and my heart was pounding. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of adorable actually. And uh, cute that I got so scared. But. yeah and that's you know i kind of think also that's part of it like if you like walk around after you make a talisman or after you you know obtain some kind of amulet or something or you know because jewelry and other or stones can also be used to augment our astrological chart or mm-hmm. um remediate our chart and stuff like that so you know walking around like noticing what happens and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of when you're like oh okay wait this is drawing this kind of thing to me i mean you know the only way you ever really learn is is by doing is by experiencing things right like like it like people can quote books all the time and say well picatrix book three chapter two says this and all this kind of shit and it's like well wait well have you done it because if you haven't done it i kind of don't want to hear about it you know and and then there's some magicians who are like okay well i've done 
I did rituals with, you know, Mercury Kazemi, which is conjoined the sun, and this happened, and it was actually pretty sketchy. And then I did other ones with Mercury in chariot, which means Mercury is invisible because it's proximity to the sun, but still mm. in a sign in which Mercury rules uh, or is exalted. And um, and he's like, and that yielded this, 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 and all these results came. And I'm like, okay, that's valuable information because, you know, I I, I hear from experience as opposed to just lore, what, what, what a certain magical practice is going to do and, and what a certain um, uh, thing is. And, and I think we get really caught up in, in rules and you know, there's great teachers and great magicians out there who have the experience and they're the ones I think that are the most valuable, but you do, if you're a magician, you know, sometimes you do have to burn your fingers. I mean, I've made talismans that like, my teachers that have been like, I wouldn't do that or something like that. But I'm like, hmm. I have, I have to see, you yeah. know, like, like, otherwise I'm just, I have no experience of this. I, I need to. Uh, and so it's kind of worth it, you know? And then you look at it's, it's kind of worth making mistakes because then you get knowledge. If it's like, Oh, okay, well, you know, this obviously wasn't very good, like when I did this with this configuration, so I'm going to avoid that from now on, or this ended up working great, even though the books say that it shouldn't. So all kinds of things. And then I don't know, there's famous astrologers giving elections for people to make Venus talismans, and they look downright dangerous to me. So Mm. it's there's all kinds of stuff like that. And people have different techniques and different uh, stuff. But it gets to the point, I think, when it becomes part of your lifestyle that inviting scary things or inviting even potentially, I wouldn't give these elections to, you know, my Patreon or something sure. like that, but yes. I, w- I would try them for myself, you know, and and that's how you sort of eventually, I think, build up is, is going into mysterious. And there's a lot of really brave people out there doing stuff that I was always scared of. Mm. And, you know, and then I try the stuff and I'm like, oh, this is actually really like not not what I thought it was going to be. It's not as dark or, you know, it might be more cleansing than than you thought or something. Yes, absolutely. Moving moving towards those things that are scary, doing doing the ritual that freaks you out is sometimes super valuable. And, And there is like careful nuance about that because I wouldn't just recommend that to anybody and there needs to be some discernment and like level of practice and how long they've been doing these things and there's also adrenaline junkies out there who will just try to do something super wild with Goetia right off the bat and and you know even that in a certain sense I don't think is necessarily dangerous it might freak them out and they're gonna hopefully learn something but uh yeah just I, I would agree. There's, there's great value. And, and, and I'm still, there's still shit that I haven't done that I've been kind of holding off on. Cause it's like, uh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Um, yeah. And I've done stuff that really fucked me up that, that I, no one would have even thought it would, you know? Hmm. And, and so, but it was worth it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I, I, I tend to err on the side of caution more. I think like I, mm-hmm. I tend to be pretty slow about experimenting and, you know, pretty slow because obviously you don't want to invite like negativity into your life and stuff like that. But um, but it's refreshing, you know. People 
I took this class, you know, we were doing rituals from the PGM, you know, the Greek magical papyri and stuff like that. And I was like, this sounds scary as shit. And people are just doing it. So I'm like, all right, you know, I guess I'll try it and stuff like that. So it's, it was great because, and I meant to say this earlier too, when I was talking about astrological timing, if you try to time everything that you do, for example, you're never going to get all your PGM rituals done, or you're never going to yeah. do all that. So sometimes you're just like, you know what, I feel like doing it right now. I'm just going to do it. If it's not a specifically astrologic, you know, if you're not specifically petitioning uh, astrological, you know, significations or, or bodies, then there's really no absolute need to, to use astrology, I guess. But um, practice is important. I think that that not doing stuff is is it's better to do it and get no results or it's better to do it's better to do it and your results are whatever than it is to not practice because practice is how we learn how to be a magician you know and being an astrologer and seeing a bunch of people every day is like how i learn about how every single person is like a I don't want to say a case study that I don't have affection for them because I do, Sure, you know, it's like, there's an emotional component and I enjoy these people and I, I have fun with them for sure. But yeah. also they're like a, they're a case study. Do you know, it's like, wow. I'm like, this is what it looks like when someone has this kind of chart and they're mm. going through this transit and they're going through that. Like now I have a, like, you know, a kind of a firsthand account from somebody who has a chart totally different from my own and how they've experienced and, and you can log that, right? You, you, yeah. you, bec- you become like a database where you're like, Oh, sometimes it does this. This is just like somebody else who had that. And, and, you know, the more people that you see as an astrologer is another form of experience because that's more data, you know, that, that filters into your understanding of stuff and and filters mm-hmm. into to your i guess proficiency in a way as an astrologer you know because austin osmond spare you know the chaos magician mm-hmm. uh the original chaos magician right. Ed- edwardian uh, artist he had a saying uh knowledge is the excrement of experience mm-hmm. which i think is really important for all of us like astrologers and magicians especially in this twitter zone or whatever where like how much i can present that how much knowledge i could present is is in a way the the only uh um demarcation of of my worth as a magician or something or my an astrologer whereas like no like what kind of life have you lived you know how much experience have you uh uh garnered you know and and what does that do i mean look i've never written a book on astrology or magic and there's a lot of people my age and younger who have and sometimes i'm like oh i'm such a dumbass like i spent all these years being like an international playboy and i should have just been doing that and it's like well wait at the end of the day i mean who's the more successful magician somebody who lived a life that was very rich and you know crazy and luxurious and and wild or someone who's written more books i mean they both have value you know it's like and and we all have different roles to play and different paths to take but it's just interesting how how um you know how we value uh 
or how we stratify uh, astrological or magical competence and and things like that and at, at the end of the day it's it's how you live the stuff you know yes. and 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 how you make use of it and how you share it and how i know embody is like a like trite word now but it's kind of true you know i mean how how you live this and how how you experience it and how aware you are of it all the time and how you exist within it you know that's that's powerful that's more powerful than how many books you read i remember i was a uh, young i used to work at a vintage store here in williamsburg in brooklyn and many years a great place to learn and grow actually and Hmm. i would go out every day when the sun was at certain points in the sky to do liber reshvel helios which you might know Hmm. you know the it's it's an alistair crowley uh uh thing you you go at four times a day you worship the sun in different Hmm. A, a different Egyptian deity, right? In the morning, hail unto thee who art Ra and thy rising. Uh, hail unto thee who art Ahathor and thy beauty and when it's in the mid-course and Tum and thy... So you worship the sun at the rising, the, the mid-heaven and the descendant, by, basically. And also mm-hmm. the, the, the Kefra, the beetle god at the midnight of the sun. So I'd go out to do this and I actually did it this morning and I was like, God, it's such a powerful practice. I recommend it to everyone. But um, uh, this was many years ago, maybe 15 years ago. And and this girl is like, young lady is like, wow, you must look at all of us as like such, you know, mortals or dumbasses because you're Mm -hmm. like doing all this stuff. And especially this person who asked me because she's a remarkable young lady i mean she's awesome and i was like no if anything i'm i could be like deficient because i need this stuff to live as like centered or as enlightened or as embodied as other people might do just naturally you know it's 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 not that i'm more advanced it's it's that i i want to be more advanced you know and and you are no less advanced than I am at all as a, as a person, you know, it's not, it's kind of not, it's a weird paradox. It's not really about being a better magician. It's about being a better person or something in a way, you know, you just want to be more developed and you want to be more evolved, I think. And, and whatever method you use to get you there is, is um, valid, you know, and, and magical in its own way or enlightened in its own way you know it's not there's there's not one path yes yes absolutely these symbols and archetypes and deities and spirits can bolster up a a personality that is perhaps yeah deficient like you said and I, i mean i would absolutely resonate with that that these things have given me a sense of power um not so that I can lord it over others and not so that I can move around as this arrogant guy who thinks he's some powerful high magus, but it's just like, no, these things give me a sense of confidence and trust that I never had for a lot of years. Um, so yeah, I love that. And, and it's anyone within, I mean, there's a lot of arrogant pricks <laughs> within the magical world. And um, there's also a lot of people who get fixated on just the heady knowledge and all the Alistair Crowley quotes, and they have all everything memorized about Kabbalah and astrology. And it's just like, 
my sweet friend, please move away from the head knowledge. Your mind is a delusion anyway, like practice, like we're saying anyhow. Yeah. Well, I mean, that happened to me during lockdown. I just, I basically became like a brain in a jar, you Mm. know, like all I did was like, like make drawings and study astrology, like all in depth with like and magic with, you know, making lunar mansion talismans and, you know, all that stuff. And the whole time, because I was like, wow, there's no society in which to conform. And uh, I suffered for it. I ended up like with a bunch of chronic pain because I was so outside of my, of my physical nature. And so mm. like buzzing in my brain that yeah. I, uh, I ended up with like chronic pain and like muscle tightness and, you know, like, like losing strength and all this stuff. I wasn't working out and, and things like that. So um, it's, it's important to be, uh, you know, in the world. And it's also important to look at who's giving you advice yes. and be like, oh, okay. Is this somebody who I would want to emulate? Right. Is this somebody yes. who's whose life I feel like is a testament to their success as a magician. I mean, I have teachers like that. I have co-occultists like that. I have chiefs Mm -hmm. in my magical order who I'm like, I respect this person. If like this, this person seems to me that they are on a path that is wise and that is powerful. And then I, therefore I'm going to listen to them, you know? So as long as somebody earns your your trust and your respect, I definitely think it's, you know, there's a lot to learn, you know, but I, you know, social media rewards people, I think, for just acting like an elder or acting like an authority right away. And who knows who they like heard that from the night before in a lecture and the next day put it out like they were just thinking about it while they were having their coffee. You know, it's like people steal stuff and things like that. And um it's more about you know looking deep into the person i think and being like no this is someone who i feel like i want to learn from yeah you know like you know my teacher austin my teacher uh, uh bernadette brady ryan butler christopher warnock uh there's so many people out there who i'm like all right these people are I can I can tell that they have the experience and the enlightenment and the the intellect and the high level of functioning to to you know they're worthy of 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 being teachers I think you know yes and and not everybody is you know Certainly. like like I mean people ask me all the time that they want me to be their teacher like I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't mean to flatter myself or anything no. but it is just true that that people say it to me very regularly and I'm like, honestly, I have like, I do give lectures and I will give workshops, but mm-hmm. to take someone on as a student is something that I honestly, I, I have too much humility in the face of like magic and astrology and its immensity mm-hmm. right now to claim that level of, of authority that I could really, um, you know, feel comfortable doing that. You know, and not to say that that I wouldn't make a good teacher, but at, at this stage in my life, I, I, I just have too much humility in the face of something that is immense and like mysterious and vast. So yeah, but eventually, yeah. 
hopefully I'll get there. Cause I, I would, you know, I would like to teach someday, I think. Sure. So. Yeah. I think that's a super healthy perspective and awareness and, and, uh, humility. And in many ways, I mean, you are already teaching people through your astrology readings and through conversations like this, like the, the knowledge that you do have is still reaching the right people at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool too. I mean, I, I do love like the le lectures that I give. It's amazing. Like I, I really do feel like everybody walks out like with the knowledge that they need to like, for example, make a particular talisman or use a find something in their chart or understand a certain resonance. And it's, it's a great feeling when people get excited about um, this kind of stuff, because it's what I find the most exciting, you know, it's what, yes. it's what turns me on the most and inspires me the most. So I, I like to inspire uh, other people and I like to, I like to be, I like to be on the same level as people. Like, you know, when you come to me as an astrological client, I don't want to be some guru who's going to yeah. like impart some earth shattering stuff to you. It's like, no, we're in this together. Like I have struggles as well. Like I'm human too. I mean, I have a familiarity with certain things and, you know, maybe certain <laughs> studies and stuff like that, but I'm not some like, I'm your servant, if anything, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm your, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working for you, you know? So, so I like to educate people when they see me at least a little bit about astrology so that I'm not throwing jargon at them. We're on the yes. same page when I explain why a certain time is going to have a certain significance. And it's of course a discourse too. the information that they put forth is very useful in, in, uh, determining how certain, uh, uh, astrological themes are present, say, in their life and how they tend to, um, you know, uh, come forth. So it's it's very much a discourse and it's very much, uh, um, you know, it's 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 not a master and servant dynamic at all. It's a yeah. it's a it's a it's a common thing. It's a I don't know. We'd call it like a camaraderie, maybe. Yes. Yes. And thank goodness, because we need people like that. Um, yeah. Well, we've been talking for a while, so let's wrap this up. But I but okay. I love talking with you, Mickey. I think you're fucking rad. You're solid gold, man. And uh, thank you. If, uh, if you is there anywhere that you want to send people to find your work? I, I would encourage people to watch your show, Time Lord TV, because it's badass. Oh, yeah, but, uh, I've, got, I've got a show, Time Lord TV. Uh, we're on YouTube. So, uh, uh, you know, the occult uh tropes that are there and i'm also just mickey pellerano on instagram i've got a website mickeypellerano.com uh that's how people reach me they, they find my email there they dm me if they want to have a session and stuff like that quite often so it works great so excellent yeah. well thank you for being willing to talk with me i had a blast with this yeah it's my absolute pleasure thank you so much for uh inviting me on you got it